We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. He's Chris Biederman. He'll be joining me shortly, and he covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. Super fun episode with NBC Sports Bay Area's Matt Mayoko dropping by. I think it's the second time, maybe the third time he's been on the pod. But we had some technical issues at the top of the podcast where Matt was talking about his trip to Fargo, North Dakota where he met Trey Lance and some people in Trey Lance's orbit. And he was discussing some of the things he learned about Trey Lance and Lance's decision to join the social justice protests after the killing of George Floyd, uh, along with Lance's uh, decision to wear cleats honoring that. And if I just wanted to kind of discuss what Matt was talking about up top, because Like I said, the audio got a little jumbled and might jump around and be a little bit unclear. So that's what he was talking about. And just Lance's singular decision to do that and and not so much worrying about alienating people because he felt strongly for this cause and and wanted to go do it and just how sure he was of himself in in doing so. So, again, in case any of that's unclear up top, wanted to just uh, put that on the table first before we get into our interview, which we're going to do now. So enjoy our conversation with NBC Sports Bay Area's Matt Mayoka. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. We are here with NBC Sports Bay Area's Matt Mayoko, who is just wearing an incredible T-shirt for this interview. I think specifically for this interview, it's a can can you explain it? It's a it's a tie dye number. It's red. It is. Yeah, I'm in the Olympic spirit. And uh, (laughs) although Lithuania does not have a basketball team in the Olympics, I still thought I'd rock this awesome Grateful Dead Lithuania T-shirt. So. (laughs) I also knew that you'd be wearing something drab and I knew that Kyle would be wearing something, something even drabber. So I thought I'd just kind of bring a little bit of 
colorful, um, I, I can't bring a colorful personality to this podcast, but I can bring some colorful clothes. So that's what I'm doing. So you have spent, and this has felt like the longest off season ever for whatever reason, but you I think spent, I just saw you tweet that. Yeah, I did. I thought that was good. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Didn't get, <laughs> didn't get a like or a retweet or anything, but no, I, I guess I shouldn't expect that from you. It wasn't that good, but I, <laughs> and I, this is kind of weird. And I don't know if this has anything to do what, with what you're getting at, but I sent you that, or no, I didn't send you a picture, but or no, I did send you a picture of me wearing an A's hat at the A's game yesterday. Mm, you did. On Sunday. And it's the first A's game I've been to in forever, but I just had this like almost uncontrollable urge to just get out there and watch live baseball or live sports. Yeah. Do you remember this, by the way? I'm holding up a Sir Young Duke mixtape. Shout out to Sir Young Duke. I still have this from that time you and I went to an A's playoff game. Yeah, it was a one-game playoff, I believe. And And the A's lost. lost. Go figure. Um, But yeah, shout out to Sir Young Duke, if he's listening. Uh, Still have your your mixtape. So, it's been a long offseason, Matt, but you spent some of it in North Dakota. Uh, you did some reporting on Trey Lance and you got to hang out with Trey Lance. So what were your takeaways? How'd you, what what did you think of Trey Lance and, and his family and people in his circle after spending some time in Fargo and getting to know them? Yeah, it was pretty cool. His parents are, are very good people uh, that that town, you know, fully supports him. You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting dichotomy there with uh, just the, the population uh, how it, how it's made up, um, and and who he is. But um, so that was that was an interesting part of this whole dynamic because, you know, in in kind of researching and reading about Trey and, I mean, it was like a news story back in the in Fargo that Trey Lance was taking part in a peaceful protest, and during that one game in in the fall of 2020 that they played Central Arkansas it was a news story that he was going to wear cleats, you know, almost kind of like the, you know, my, my cause, my cleats thing, but he took it to the, to the college level. So that was interesting. And just to kind of see the support system that, that he has there specifically with his parents. Um, I mean, it's kind of I, one of the really great things about our job. I don't have to tell you this, Chris, but I'm, I'm projecting to your audience is that, you know, we, we are able to, put ourselves in positions and meet people and try to understand people that we wouldn't have come across. We wouldn't have met in, if we had decided to go to into any other business. And I mean, it's a great, for me, it's always been kind of a great character study to kind of, you know, step outside of something that I'm, or step outside of what I'm familiar with and go somewhere and, and try to put yourself in other people's positions. And I think it's, uh, I mean, that to me, that's one of the more fascinating uh, things about my job. And in, in my case, my upbringing, I grew up in a place kind of like Marshall, Minnesota. So, um, you know, I, I kind of felt like I, I know this area, you know, even though it's 2000 miles from where I grew up, it, it's very similar and kind of the, you know, the signage that you see supporting, uh, you know, whatever, if you want to call them politicians or whatever, you, you, you understand, it doesn't take you long to understand 
where you're stepping into, which is obviously far different than the way it is in the Bay Area. So, I mean, that's a kind of a long story there, a long uh, thought, but but I do, I, I enjoy kind of getting to, I don't think we ever really get to know these people, you know, that we cover. We get a slice of life and I, I enjoy kind of seeing that slice of life and then trying to, you know, as best I can kind of figure out what makes a person tick. Did you stop at any pasta huts and have any um, Alfredo like our guy Eric Branch did? I did not. Did no. you hear that story? Uh, I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> my my story was more um, going into bars at you know toward closing time, uh, being the the group of guys from California r- there uh, writing about Trey Lance, and then finding out that the owner had locked the doors and, uh, you know, drinking into the wee hours past, uh, what would be closing time. Um, and so that was kind of my experience. So no, no pasta hut, um, which oh, that, that's at any point did imagine, you eat pasta with your hands? I would imagine that Eric probably woke up the next morning feeling probably just as bad as I did, um, <laughs> after the, the bars were closed down. <laughs> I mean, that Alfredo <laughs> sauce in your stomach just kind of wears you down. Yeah. 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 Your fingers. Just, just an incredible story. So what, what do you think of just, you know, what, what the 49ers quarterback situation is now with training camp starting next week, essentially? Like, do you think, like, where do you put Trey Lance's chances at starting week one or maybe around the bye week? Um, in October, like where, where do you think this thing's going to go in terms of when Trey Lance is starting at quarterback? Do you want an honest answer? Yes. I have no idea. Okay. I mean, I really Perfect. don't. And, and I don't know that anybody, <laughs> right. I mean, we would just be guessing. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan went to, to ownership and said, is it okay? You know, we're going to take a quarterback number three. Is it okay? Okay, if we still pay or if you still pay Jimmy Garoppolo $25 million. And of course, the answer was, you know, they have to say yes, if that's the right thing for the football team. But you can't have Jimmy Garoppolo as the backup making $25 million. So it opens up this whole situation of if if Trey Lance shows that he's the guy, then, you know, what happens to Garoppolo? You know, you will he accept a pay cut? He would have to because no team's going to pay him 25 million. Um, but the way, I don't know, I almost kind of feel like the way that the organization has, has handled it in, in some instances, or I just, I don't know if that he would like bend over backward to do them of any kind of favor. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how this thing plays out, but, I mean, there, there are certain scenarios here, you know, if, if Jimmy Garoppolo gets injured, Trey Lance steps in, he plays well, you know, you can't remove him. If he steps in, doesn't play well, Garoppolo gets a job back. At what point, you know, you, you can't base it on the three preseason games because, you know, the, the main the main job of the quarterback or, or how you measure a quarterback isn't in the preseason when teams aren't playing, you know, real defense, you know, how would he respond to, you know, changing defenses, uh, you know, defenses trying to disguise looks. I mean, it's, it's a tough situation. And the answer is I, I have no idea. 
how this whole thing's going to play out. We're talking about a guy who just turned 21 years old and has played one football game in the past year and a half. So, and that last in the, you know, the football game he played in, I think he, you know, didn't he run as many times as he threw it and, and threw for or ran for as many yards as he passed for. So uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of experience at game speed, reading defenses and making reads in the past year and a half. I mean, he, he has to be pretty rusty. I would think from that standpoint, I, I kind of wonder if, do you think that would incentivize them to play him though? Because if Garoppolo starts all 17 games, let's say, and now they're going to go into next offseason starting Lance. Well, now you take what you just said and you tack another full year yeah. onto it. So if it just feels to me like it would be more logical if if that's the case. And I, I think you're you're right about there being some rust. You would want to get him on the field at some point. Yeah, I I mean, I would think the way they should handle or this is the way I think they should handle it, is that I mean, I think Garoppolo gives them the best chance of winning football games from the beginning. That that would be my guess. But you can still use Trey Lance. I mean, Trey Lance has some unique skills. You know, this I this I would be shocked if this is a Jordan Love situation. The moment he steps on the field in some sort of wildcat or you know, Eplo leaves the lineup entirely, or he's split out wide, and it's just you have to do that and you have to, you know, put it in the defense's mind that, you know, he's a running threat. And then as the weeks go on, or heck, even as the game goes on, you bring him back in, you've established that running threat. Now you're opening more windows for him to throw the ball. And I think what, what you want to do, what you need to do is start giving him situations where he can succeed, where the confidence is built, you know, where he's, he's throwing easy, you know, easy throws because teams are respecting the run so much. So I think that's the way you give him that experience is that you just kind of carve out packages in, in each game where you know that you can exploit the defense in certain areas. And then while you're doing that, while you're helping yourself win games, you're also giving him much needed experience and in essence, kind of knocking that rust. So it sounds like you kind of have a little bit of an expectation for, for, Lance in, in year one has that has that changed at all like you you saw a little bit of him in OTAs um I think he's smart though probably the one thing that I took away from the North Dakota State uh time there was how well coached he was like he got really good coaching mm-hmm. there yeah, his quarterback's coach, his offensive coordinator is a, a guy named Randy Hedberg who played in the NFL. He's, a, he's a kind of an old-timer, but he knows his stuff. And I talked to scouts in the pre-draft process who said, man, he looks so well-coached. Like, he got really good coaching there. So, um, from – and, Chris, I don't know if – I don't think you and I have talked about this, but, you know, watching him – Early on, I think we only saw two practices, right, where it was just, um, you know, it was the full team. And the first week, in my eyes, he looked kind of unsure of himself and the ball was sailing high. And then just in a week's time, probably three practices in between had already kind of gained a little bit to play a little bit more, just kind of, he seems to be a quick study. We know he has all the skills. Uh, you know, I, 
I think he's going to do all the right things off the field to get himself prepared to play football. But I don't know that I would necessarily, after a couple of practices, go, oh, he's ready to be an NFL starter. I think that's a process. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you think it could be something similar, and you, you sort of alluded to it earlier, but 2011 Colin Kaepernick when they – you know, sort of inserted him in some goal line stuff and he did a lot of stuff with his legs. I mean, is there a ton of value to that? Like just getting him on the field and, you know, for a handful of snaps per game to just not, not just necessarily for the offense to have a different look, but for his development, like how valuable do you think a role like that could be if he doesn't end up starting? I think it's very valuable. I think the year aren't, isn't the year you're talking about 2012, wasn't that the year that they went to? Uh, he was a rookie in 2011. Right. But wasn't yeah, 2012 but, where they yeah, really started using him in that role? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're probably yeah. scored a touchdown and, against the Jets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and so from that standpoint, if you look back on that, I think that that time early in that season where they started giving him more and more and more, I think that helped him when he took over in the middle of that season. So, yeah, I do think. I do think that's a big deal. And the, the difference that I would see, and I gosh, I'd have to look at the stats, but I don't remember Colin Kaepernick throwing the ball much, you know, when he would get into the games in, in 2012. I think the 49ers, I think this group of coaches and, and the way Kyle Shanahan views Trey Lance, I think they see him as as you know almost equal parts runner and passer. And at some point, Clearly, they want the passing side of him to far exceed the running side of him. So I think they would be more apt to, you know, kind of start off in that same way. Like, here's here's our running package. You know, we're going to do this. We're going to do these RPOs. But then, you know, as as teams start to cheat toward the run, then, you know, you pull that thing out and you, you start throwing the ball down the field a little bit to kind of give him um, a little bit more 
maybe than even what Kaepernick did in the lead up to him taking over that full-time starting job. So shifting gears a little bit, um, you know, thinking 2019 is sort of the, it's going to be the season that everybody compares um, that everybody looks at when talking about, you know, what's a successful season under Kyle Shanahan look like, and they're going to point to that 2019 season. And one of the characteristics for me that really stood out was how much the rookies impacted that team, whether obviously it was Nick Bosa, but Debo Samuel had, you know, a thousand yard season, just about Dre Greenlaw made a pretty sizable impact uh, in his role. So, you know, Trey Lance's side, Aaron, like talking about guys like Aaron Banks and Trey Sermon and Ambry Thomas and the other guys, do you think that there's a possibility that this incoming rookie class can have a similar impact? Because I think just looking at the way this roster is currently constructed and, and maybe the lack of depth or at least the lack of established depth at certain spots, the 49ers are going to need similar contributions from their rookie class like they got in 2019 if the goal is to contend for a Super Bowl like it was then? Well, I look at like the 49ers can win, I think, a lot of games this year without Trey Lance even stepping on the field. Whereas I don't think in 2019 they could have won a lot of games without Nick Bosa. Um, You know, both of those are high impact positions that can make a big difference but the 49ers did not have an edge rusher really, you know, that, that previous year. Um, and so that has, that gave them an opportunity to make a significant jump. In fact, just watching that 2019 season, I, I remember even looking back on it now thinking, wow, if you want to make a huge impact on a team, like a quarterback obviously is a big position, but for a rookie stepping in, typically if a rookie is playing quarterback, you're going to take a step back. You're not going to be probably as good, even if you have kind of a middling veteran quarterback, you're probably, it's the rare rookie that can step in and and play good football, play good winning football. But defensive end, edge rusher, that's one position where I really think like edge rushers are ready to play now. Yeah, there's some developing that's going on, but if you can rush the passer, you can rush the passer and you can make a huge impact. So from that standpoint, this class has no Nick Bosa. And, you know, is is Aaron Banks going to make a big impact? He should make an impact. You know, he should be a starter. And if he's not as a second round draft pick, you know, if, if Daniel Brunskill beats out Aaron Banks as a, this season, that, that's that's got to be a disappointment, right? And then you have, I think Trey Sermon has a chance to step in and be probably their number one back. You, you know, they're, it wouldn't surprise me if, if year five of Kyle Shanahan and, and Bobby Turner, Trey Sermon is the fifth different running back who leads the team in rushing. And then all those defensive backs you mentioned, I think all of them will have an opportunity because there is always such attrition at the defensive backs position. And, you know, whether it's Ambry Thomas having to step in instead of, you know, Jason Red or Emmanuel Mosley. And I think even uh, Diamador Lenore, I think Kwan Williams is at the stage in his career where I don't know that you can count on him for 16 games and, and his play. You know, he's a good player, 
you know, 49ers have last few years have talked about him being the best nickelback in the league. I don't know that he's the best nickelback in the league, but he's a really good player, but he's kind of at that age now that, you know, maybe he starts to, to slide a little bit, or maybe he has a difficult time staying healthy. And I think, you know, just the, the brief times we saw D'Elmador Lenore, I mean, he's got a little spark to him, right? I mean, he can, he's not afraid to kind of get in there and mix it up and kind of assert himself. So, you know, some of those guys, and I don't know if there's anyone else I'm, I'm missing. Well, I do like Elijah Mitchell too. I don't think yeah. they've had a real, a true third down mm-hmm. back, in, you know, in the Shanahan's been here. That was supposed to be Jarek McKinnon's role. And that just never materialized, you know, obviously injured for two years. And last year he wasn't, you know, he didn't have that same dynamic, you know, ex- explosive speed. Elijah Mitchell has an opportunity to be a, a really productive, you know, he won't have great numbers, but he has a chance to make some, some big plays kind of like uh, Jeff Wilson did in 2019, just coming, coming off the sideline to run routes out of the backfield because he was far and away the best running back they had running pass routes. So that's kind of how I see this thing shaking out. I want to go back to what you were talking about with the pass rush a little bit, because it's something that Chris and I were talking a little bit about today. So in 2019, it was Nick Bosa, it was D Ford, it was Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. Can they replicate that type of production with what, what they have this year, whether it's Bosa and, and Abukam and, and Armstead and Kinlaw and maybe D Ford? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I, I just think that I think DeForest Buckner was so good. Yeah, I think he was, I think even when he didn't have the great numbers, he was just so good. He helped everybody around him. There's no DeForest Buckner on, on that defensive line that does that. And Nick, Bo, you know, Nick Bosa is a great player, but we don't know how he's going to bounce back from that ACL. I mean, the videos I've seen have looked pretty darn impressive, but if you don't have, you know, if, if San, uh, you know, I don't think anyone's counting on D Ford. You know, even if D Ford gets healthy enough to play, how effective is he going to be and how long can he stay out there? Those are unknowns. Um, Ebukam is a guy that clearly they see something in, but you know, he, he hasn't been somebody who's, you know, he, he's a four and a half sack guy. Now maybe they can do something there and, and, you know, maybe that wide nine, maybe Chris Kosarek and, yell enough in his ear and get him fired up and working on his technique and everything else. But I don't see this being a great pass rush defensive line other than Nick Bosa. You know, they didn't draft anybody, so there's not going to be any help there in free agency. They got what Arden key and, you know, along with Ebukam and Arden key, I don't think, I don't think he even had a sack last year with the Raiders and they cut him the former third round pick. So to me, the guy that made it all go in 2019 was DeForest Buckner. I mean, as a, Eric Armstead has had a really good season. Eric Armstead is a very good player, but I kind of liken it to back in the day where, you know, Dana Stubblefield got the league MVP or defensive MVP one year and everybody on that team and every opponent of the 49ers that year will tell you, that he rode the coattails of Bryant Young. And so, you know, to take it back, you know, that's back in what, 97 or whatever that was, DeForest Buckner is the Bryant Young, you know, was the Bryant Young 
of 2019 and with him gone um, it makes it just that much more difficult for everybody at every level of that defense yeah it it makes you wonder like if if they could have predicted the future and realized like well okay a year from now we're gonna have a quarterback on a rookie contract maybe it would be more palatable to pay DeForest Buckner a little bit more than than what they paid for Eric Armstead yeah. Um, you in know, in that to bring back Jimmy Ward, th- this is one I, I struggle with a little bit because I know why they did it. You know, there's the finances. They also got, you know, they got a good draft pick out of this, you know, yeah. Javon Kinlaw is a good player, but he's a two down player. And I, in, and Chris, actually, you saw this coming way before I did, because you were the one, as I recall, back in whatever, 2018 saying, DeForest Buckner, it's going to be tough for them to keep him. Well, you know, he could be going. And I remember thinking, you know, what is Biederman smoking? You know, <laughs> is he, does he have a tie-dye shirt in his, in his closet that he's going to be putting on here? Because to me, there were two players that were completely untouchable. They gave you everything you wanted on the field. They gave you everything you wanted in the locker room. They gave you everything you wanted away from the locker room. And those two players were George Kittle and DeForest Buckner. Well, Kittle, they wrapped up and it still to this day shocks me. Again, I understand why they did it. We can go round and round and make arguments on both sides of whether it's the right call, whether it's the wrong call. But in my mind, you just don't get rid of your best player. You know, and, and as great as, as great as Bosa is, he, he'd only done it one year. Arms or uh, Buckner do, did, does it every year and people in Indianapolis love him for good reason. I think everybody here loved him. So I just, it, to me, that's a really tough one. And I'm sure that's one that the Fournier's wrestled with is that how do you get rid of when your best player though, is like, you know, a jerk or doesn't work hard or, you know, is a bad locker room guy. I can understand it, but Buckner is none of that. Buckner was like the perfect, like the role model, the stereotypical guy that you build a defense around. Totally agree. There's, I, I've, I've seen, I've seen some angst from fans that um, the 49ers might do the same thing with Fred Warner. Um, I feel like, that deal is going to come within the next couple of weeks. I yeah, would. that that's what I, I think if they had the DeForest Buckner thing to do again, they would do it differently. And I can't imagine they would want to make the same mistake with Fred Warner. Yeah, um, I would I'd be surprised, you know, if if Warner gets away um, and, and like you, Chris, I mean, I, I think probably, you know, the eve of when the 40 hours put on pads for training camp, that's probably when this is going to you know, come down the the pike and, you know, I don't, you know, there's been no, there's been really no rumblings. I think there were some reports a, a month or so ago that the 49ers and Fred Warner's representation haven't even talked. Whereas a year ago this time, you know, everybody was kind of reporting of what's going on, you know, with, with, um, with Fred or with uh, George Kittle, but we all kind of thought, that something would happen like on the eve of the day that they put on pads, because then if you don't do it, then now you're running the risk. And if I were an agent, you know, if I were Jack Beck to last year or or George Kittle's agent this year, I wouldn't let, I wouldn't let my player get on the field without that contract, you know, put on pads and go hit people. Heck no. You know, that, that's your, that's your leverage. And from this 49ers standpoint and from the agent standpoint, 
you know, things don't happen unless there are deadlines. And the deadline to me, the first deadline uh, for training camp, and that's when I would expect something to get done. So I, 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 I think they'll get something done long term. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so we only have a couple minutes left. And uh, I want to talk about your plans for um, August 13th, uh, Friday in, uh, in Santa Rosa, California at Cooperage. Where you're, uh, you're you're generous enough to grace us with your presence at our uh, at our beer event. Hold it. What I what did I commit to? <laughs> <laughs> what? You're on the flyer. Did you man. catch James me? on the flyer, dude. <laughs> oh man, it's on the flyer. Well, yeah. then now I guess I have to show up. Yeah. I don't know. It must have been a moment of weakness that you like, got me to sign on the dotted line. But well, no, pitch I, in I'm a room lo- at the Motel Six. I'm looking forward to it. I'm extremely jealous. I'm you know. I'm by and large kind of a resentful, jealous person. And yeah, I was I very jealous. Yeah, I, I, I'm very jealous, <laughs> Chris and Kyle, that you guys beat me to this of having a brewery put together a commemorative beer. Is that what we're calling it? Commemorative beer or uh, uh, whatever. A beer. Yeah, a beer. A beer uh, named after your podcast. So that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not happy about that, but I'm happy to help you. Um, check on the inventory and, and reduce it uh, one sip at <laughs> a time up in Santa Rosa. And I do, I have been to that brewery Cooperage. Um, it's, it's very good. I'm a big fan of, of keg slayer. So yeah. I'm looking forward to, uh, to drinking this hazy IPA that you you'll be pouring for me in a few weeks. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm I think really the 49ers excited. hop beer is coming soon. Yeah. The, the, the 49ers cool? hop beer. Yeah. There you go. Instead of 49ers talk. No, okay, keep going. Okay. Oh, 49ers. Oh, 49ers. I'll workshop yeah. it. I'll yeah. workshop it. Yeah, no, we something can, there's okay. something to work with there. <laughs> um, but you hopefully. got it. What you did is you got a great brewery. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we could all get, you know, that's that's the key. Because if you're going to do this, you don't want the beer to suck. No, absolutely not. I'm very confident the beer is <sighs> going to be good. It's Boy. being, it's being batched. <laughs> it suck. <laughs> it's being, it's being brewed and batched. Um, I think as we speak, it's probably going to come out within the next couple of weeks. I haven't gotten a firm date yet. But um, hopefully, fingers crossed. Will you this- make a Will you make a trip up there? Will you make a trip up there beforehand to taste it? So Kyle and I are going up there on Friday. Okay. Um, potentially, and I don't know if there's going to be any to taste, but uh, we'll be able to see it being brewed and and maybe taste some things like it. But hopefully, the the goal is that if this goes well, maybe it becomes an annual thing. Maybe we'll get a Candlestick Chronicles beer every year and have that have that um you know event every year and uh and we could raise more money for uh, for redwood empire food bank and and potentially other prop uh, other charities if it if it goes well but we have to jet um zoom is kicking us off we got we're, we're still on that free free sample zoom life so matt thanks so much for joining us and uh right. i will see you next week at training camp man it's gonna be fun i'm, I'm really looking forward to this one i i believe so uh, thanks yeah, so much chris kyle thank you very much looking forward to seeing you both soon and definitely up there in santa rosa on august 13th, 13th? yep there it is 13th. seven o'clock there we go seven o'clock i'll see right, you i'll see you there the panel. I'll, I'll see you there at five o'clock <laughs> yeah likewise. perfect all right take it easy right. matt thank you okay see you, see you guys thanks man bye
Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.